Hello, welcome back everybody. It's Outside the Huddle and it's Andy back alongside James this week. James, how was your trip up north in your time machine? <laughs> well, I think most importantly, I've made it back safe. Um, everything I say about the north, you know, I managed to, the train still had some wheels left when we got back to London, so I'm back. I take it all back. I went to the nice part of York, um, York, North, which is York. So, I, I mean, I can't talk about the rest. I've only ever been to Blackpool and York and... York wins. Yeah, I can imagine it does. There are there are other nice places. York is very nice, though. It is. It's very. It's not very far from me, really. So it's. I'm quite lucky in that respect. Um, you weren't. You were. You were trying your best to not go out, weren't you, on the night? I don't think you managed that, did you? Well, I kind of did. Um, I had to wait over an hour and fifteen minutes for a taxi because no one booked one. Um, my training finished at five. I kept saying it, and I was like, oh, no, it'd be fine. Um, we managed to not get a taxi until about 20 to six, uh, 20 past six, and then I got back to the room about quarter to seven. So by the time I did all that, I ended up going out on my own. But the plan was originally to get back at six, go out for a quick meal, be back at seven, go to bed by nine, get a nice, you know, good, good night's sleep. It was about 11 o'clock by the time I finished doing some ironing. Because <laughs> oh. that's the thing, like, you go up there with all your smart clothes, and then by the time you get them out, you're... It doesn't matter how you fold them. You just end up with loads of lines. So I thought I'll quickly do some lines. It was 11 o'clock. Um, so, yeah, I had a really good sleep, though. Definitely the best sleep I've had for five years. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. There you go. It was worth it. It was worth it, even even though you'd travelled to the other end of the country. And you have well, to do it. If you yeah. have to do it, you do it. <laughs> it's nice to have you back. And then they had running water and stuff in the hotel as well. Um, yeah, the shower wasn't particularly warm, but... Um, yeah. I mean, he did actually have a bathroom, so that was good. You know, the times have changed, James. But it's it's very nice to have you back. Um, and of course, we love to we love to invite somebody else into our little NFL bed, James. We like we like to make we like to make these things a three way nowadays, don't we? <laughs> Our guests wondering where this is going. Uh, yeah, it's very very good to say we've been joined by uh, Ryan McCluskey, who um, is. I don't know. I, th- I consider him a bit of a legend in in Twitter circles. Anyway, he's one of the people I've been kind of Twitter friends with for the longest. I think in the NFL community. So it's very nice to have Ryan along. How are you doing, mate? I'm good, thanks. Thank you for having me. It's a nice to become a bit of the thruple with you. I'm glad mm-hmm. to see there were no Northern because you're talking to a, a true Northern Yorkshireman. Exactly. <laughs> like, York is lovely. I'll give you that. Blackpool. Ugh, that avoid that place like the plague. Like you say, I've, I've never been told, like, as a, I'm a Twitter legend, like you say, I like to rant a bit, I like to moan a bit, argue a bit, but no, yeah, like you say, it's nice to put faces to names and Twitter handles. See, that's it, man. We've been kind of talking by Twitter for a long time, I suppose, and I know you, you're kind of the go, one of the go-to people, certainly from my point of view, when it comes to college football as well, you, you sort of really into that as well aren't you yeah i are in college then i probably am nfl like say at Royal alliance uk we now have our weekly wednesday show where me and Ant talk about college just for those nfl fans that want to watch it i can watch a game nearly every night of the week stay up all night all day like you say burn the candle at both ends but no <laughs> for you. i adore the college game i'm not being funny right but is that partly because the detroit lions are your nfl team Probably, yeah, but my college team aren't much better. Like you say, if you look at my, well, soccer, 
everything. I'm just a glut of punishment. Everyone hurts me week in, week out. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your college team, Ryan? I like Arizona State. They play in the Pac-12, so they play at like 3.30 on like a Sunday morning. They are the last games of the week, so I just, I don't know why I picked them, because it's just painful. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, anyone who follows the Pac-12 is definitely committed, is what I'm going to say. It's, it's crap. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, James has, has just said they are Lions fans as far as the NFL goes. How how did you get into the NFL? Like, How long have you been following the game? Uh, I'd say I up to 10, 11 years. Like I say, I started watching NFL back on Channel 4, Nat, uh, Nat and Mike, like, say, we in that one weekly game. That was, like, the best we had in the UK at the time for, like, the last 10, 15 years. Started watching games. I was going back, like, say, Court Sunday with, like, Sue, Tullock, Levy. Like, a nasty, nasty Lions defence. Just the start of the Matthew Stafford era. Like, say, Calvin Johnson was just ticking along nicely. Things were almost optimistic, like I say, but they were still underdogs, like I say making hidings week in, week out. And I could kind of <laughs> I could kind of go with that. Like say Bradford is like say Bradford's like Detroit. Like say not the nicest place. It's pretty industrial. But the people there make it is what it is. So I could see some relevance, like say so side watching them like say followed Stafford through his career and like here we are now. So watching it to talking about it to pretty much living, eating, breathing it. Like say just Lions just they just gut punch me every week back on back. <laughs> I was just gonna say for context, especially for anyone who's in America, Bradford have probably got more football history than the Detroit Lions have NFL history. And that says a lot because Bradford are are they in League Two now? Yeah, yes, yeah. Some think that we're not we've fallen from grace. So even when you when you're below my team, then you really are not relevant. <laughs> Well, we'll get, we're not going to get straight into the Lions yet. We're going to make wake up and work for it. Because, but I am I am interested to hear more about them because we we were talking before uh, before we started recording about how you know uh, record this season aside. I know it's difficult to put that record aside, but things maybe not as bad as as they quite look. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that. Um, yeah, well, some of these games probably don't require as much debate as others, so we'll, we'll see we'll see where we land on them. We'll kick it off uh, with the early game of the week. Uh, James, the Browns got back to winning ways. All they needed was a bit of case, a bit of case Keenum. Settle everything down. The man is a left. Yeah. What did you think? I mean, it wasn't, to be fair, it was... We're a good way into the season now, and you... Your opinions of teams start to change, and just the, the game wasn't spectacular by any means. But where are you at with those two, particularly the Broncos first? Because I, you know, I I was a bit higher on them than most this season. I'm starting to wonder why now. Yeah, I was pretty optimistic with you when we was going into the season because we just felt like they had good enough weapons to be a good offense, even with Teddy Bridgewater. He doesn't make mistakes. So as long as he's not turning the ball over, they should have been good. And that defence, I expected a lot more. But we've kind of touched on it already leading up to this. Their first three games, everyone then went to the extreme of saying they're really good. But they played nobody. And then the injuries haven't helped. But they've started playing better teams. And we're now discovering that they're not actually that good. 
this was a great opportunity for them to nick a win that I don't think they would have done if both teams were fully healthy. Um, and I, I learned they probably would edge this game. So the result is, for me, if I was a Broncos fan, I'd be gutted because that was a great opportunity to maybe just turn around your season, get rid of some of that negative energy, nick the win against the Browns. But that, even though it was a close game, they lost a game against the Browns who have got, what, half their roster is injured. If they're playing, they're injured. And if they're not playing, they're not, you know, they're all their key players. So, um, for the Browns' point of view, that was a massive win for them. I, I honestly didn't think they would win that game. So, massive win for the Browns. For the Broncos, I'm kind of all out. Um, I think I said that last week, to be honest. But that was their chance. And they couldn't even beat a depleted Browns team. But uh, can I just say, uh, was it, I can say his name now, Johnson, the Browns running back. Absolutely, absolutely chuffed for him. He seemed very humble after the game. He's, he's had his journey to get there. But the fact the Browns could just plonk, plonk him in there and he goes off on the Broncos, yeah. on a team that I thought was good and had a good front seven going into the season, says everything I need to know about the Broncos. Yeah. Ryan, did you see that game or highlights of? Yeah, yeah I watched some of that game, yeah. Like, Broncos are hard to work out. Like They're on this awful skid now. Like say, them and the, the Panthers, like say, four losses in a row. Broncos, like you say, they were just, we thought they were a team that just needed a quarterback and bloody hell, next thing they're on a Super Bowl. But I think they should like, if they'd have got Stafford in there, God, who knows, we'd be talking about them probably Super Bowl potential. But no, the fact that they missed a big opportunity to sneak by a banged up Browns team just says a lot, like you say, because let's say Bridgewater doesn't make too many mistakes, but also he can't win you a game. He just doesn't seem to be able to put these games on his shoulders and see them out. And the Browns are blessed with one of probably the best backups in the league. Case Keenum is a very safe pair of hands. Yeah. I saw that when Vikings, like say, he's a steady guy. And the fact that they managed to, like say, dodge this bullet with so many injuries, get the win, hopefully get healthy, because I'm not sure what's happening with Baker right now. His, his season is on the line if he's refusing surgery. So it was a very close game, like say, it came down to crucial moments. And I think the, the Broncos now are in danger of getting well behind 500 and falling out and play a wild card race altogether. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a fine assessment, gentlemen. James, the books against the Bears went obviously the way we all expected it to in terms of the result. But I mean, how shocked were you at the the ease of that victory? Um, I suppose the better question is how how much of the victory was the books were really good, and how much of it is the Bears were really bad? It's got... This is going to sound wrong because we was very good, but it was more that the Bears were really bad in the sense that what do the Bucks defence do? Like, any average Joe who watches the Bucks defence will know that they blitz, and they blitz more than any team, and all they want to do is blitz. Whether it works or not, we'll blitz. More often than not this year, it hasn't worked. So what do the Bears, what's the Bears struggling with the most? They've got a quarterback that, look, I love Fields. The one concern going into the season was he's a bit slow coming off his first first target. If he's not there, he's a bit slow to adjust to it. And he has, he looks slow. He definitely doesn't help himself or the Bears because he just takes a while to get rid of the ball. But the Bears line hasn't been great. But to me, that, there wasn't like, what you do to beat the Bucks is you have a quick game. Quick pass, you get the run game going. Now the run game did its bit. Khalil Herbert, completely ran all over us. We couldn't even stop him, really. They didn't run it as much as they probably could have done. Second of all, what you do to help a rookie quarterback is 
give him some really simple passes, a couple of dump offs, just five yard, ten yards, quick passes. That's how you beat the Bucks. And it, I don't know if it was just partly Fields or the game plan, but it didn't really look like they had quick passes on the brain. It constantly was dropped back. Fields stood there, looked up. He was a bit slow to process it, but before he even could blink, we had someone hitting him. Um, and I was disappointed with Fields, and I'm gutted for him because I generally do believe he has got the talent to be great. But the Bucks defense has been woeful this year, and they had no issue getting through that Bears line. Constantly kept hitting him. He fumbled the ball three times, turned the ball over three times. You can't do that. Um, and we made the most of it. I mean, Brady wasn't even that good. Brady missed a lot of opportunities. And it's probably just as well that he did, because I think the Bears would probably be sacking their coaches right now. Generally could have put 50 points up. Um, but yeah, obviously the Bucks played well. The defense is the best they've looked all year. It got the most enjoyment I've had out of all the Bucks offensive performances was that defensive performance because Devin White was back to being explosive. Shaq Barrett ripping the ball out. JPP with a broken split finger and the top of his fingers missing still managed to rip the ball out twice. And it was the Bucks defense that we enjoyed the second half of last year. But it was more to do with the Bears did not have the right game plan and they're not very good up front. So. You know, we had a lot of short field positions. Brady played well. Everyone did their bit, but I just felt like it was the easiest win I've seen other than when the Bucks beat the Lions last year. And that's because COVID ravaged the Lions last year. So worrying for the Bears. I'm starting to think they should have probably put oh, Andy Dalton in the second half because it just didn't look like it was ever going to change. And I feel sorry for Fields and for the Bears fans because that is not working out. Whatever it is, they need to change something. And for me, that's the head coach onwards. But... I know that Ryan is going to have a lot of things to say for this. He had great pleasure with me. Yeah, I was going to, uh, I was going to throw it to Ryan anyway, just to, to talk about Fields, because I know obviously you're massively into your college ball. You'll have seen a lot of him coming through. I mean, you know, he's five interceptions in. He's He's been sacked 20 times, eight in his last two games. He's not being protected. I mean, how how bad is this situation for him and, and how much do you attribute to the the situation he's in and how much of it is down to what he's doing as well for me i feel really sorry for justin fields like say right now he is just it's so detrimental what the bears are doing to him like you say he's not ready he shouldn't be there like say they've got they've got nick falls like say but he shouldn't be in these games like say it's too much too soon the offensive line they've cut both starting left tackles this year it's it's putrid the line is horrible just setting the poor man up for a fall like i wasn't that high on fields but like i said there were some lions fans that wanted him if he traded back he's got potential down the field but like i said they're just putting him in the firing line this is going to be really bad for his confidence like from what i've seen the bears have been awful matt maggie's got to go they're just relying on that defense to try keep them in games and this was one game just too many where they could not be kept in it. Like the offense just could not get anything going. Like I said, Bucks probably should have scored more points. At times they looked a bit too pedestrian. Like they were a bit just a bit lackadaisical. Like they knew the game were put to bed. But I do fear for the fans and fields going forward. Like you say, I think eventually it's going to come to a point where you just have to sit him to protect him, eating way too many sacks. Like I say, you've got you've got two old men on the roster. Like I say, one of them. Just put him into the firing line to take the shots because it's just it's not looking good right now, and I feel for him. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's very fair, James. The only other thing before we move off this game, I wanted to ask you about was you. I saw on Twitter you were uh, discussing somewhere online the future of Ronald Jones. 
and you know when when Fornek came in, I think I think the talk was always like, oh, that's a nice little sort of one-two punch that they were going to put together, but. Like Lenny's just kind of made made himself the big dog there, hasn't he? Is it the end of the road for Jones? Yeah, I mean his contract runs out at the end of the year anyway. But yeah, I think Fournette. I think it was always going to be a, a battle between those two. And I think I said last year. I think after three or four weeks, Fournette starts taking that job. But in fairness, Ronald Jones actually was the better running back for most of last year, and it was only the, at the end of the season. But this year, Ronald Jones just hasn't. He hasn't really been given many opportunities. They've lent towards Fournette, and he's taken them. And Fournette just looks. He was a bit slow early on, uh, but we just didn't run the ball. But now he's got his opportunities. He's looking very much how he finished last year. He actually looks as good as he ever has, I think. And we are a better team with him. He catches out the backfield. Ronald Jones cannot catch, not proper passes out the backfield. And that's a big issue. He doesn't block very well. So Fournette does that slightly better. So already he's already got that one step ahead of him. But he's just a better running back. I do think... I think if the Bucks weren't in contention, we would have got rid of Jones. There's no doubt about it. But there's just no sense. What's yeah. us, us getting a fourth round pick now? Because there was people saying, "Oh, you know, we're going to trade for Jones, and is he available?" But there's just no sense. We what if we if Fournette goes down? We've then got Keishawn Vaughan, who I really like, and I want to see him. Hopefully next year he will be Ronald Jones and gets more involved. But this year I don't. I wouldn't trust my Super Bowl team with Keishawn Vaughan and Bernard as my running back. So. Yeah, I don't, obviously, it's another week, but I don't think he'll be going. Um, but as he'll be out the door at the end of the year, and I don't think he'll get many opportunities unless Fournette goes down now. He'll still get touches, but he's not going to get more than a half a dozen a game. Mm, we should see. Uh, obviously, we talked about one rookie QB who's struggling there. We, we can go to another and Zach Wilson, uh, the Jets. Uh, Ryan, come to you first on this. Specifics of that game aside for a second, how different then? We talked about what's happening with Fields. How different is the situation for Wilson in, in New York? Like long term, you know, in an ideal world, coaching and everything else. Who who's at the who's got the better landed spot there? I'd probably lean a bit on Wilson because I trust Robert Sala. Like I say, I think he can build something there at the Jets. Like I say, they've got key pieces like the there's the odd player on both lines. There's the spines of the team. He's got some okay weapons. Like, say, if Denzel Mims ever decides to finally show up. Like, say, but there's, there's guys there that can make plays. Trusted. Like, say, he's had the uglier game so far where he's thrown a lot of interceptions with probably less pressure behind a, a slightly better patchwork line. Like, say, I wasn't as high as him coming out of college. But I think, ultimately, it will come down to coaching and who is going to put who in a better position to win and succeed. And I think Wilson might slowly just tip that. If they hadn't Matt Nagy, I'd be saying lots of prayers for him. Like, <laughs> he's very lucky to see his injury. Like say, he's, yeah. like say, he was looking to want an ACL or an MCL. <laughs> yeah, coming back to that, that was my only takeaway from this game. But I'm glad it's nothing serious, obviously. But the best thing for Zach Wilson right now is probably being injured. <laughs> Yeah. Just because he's not, I, I, the similar situation was going on with Fields. How is we said it every week? It feels like how is he benefiting with how the Jets are at the moment and how he was getting hit and stuff. He's only going to end an injury, so maybe that's the best thing for him in some forms. Have a rest of it. Yeah, yeah, I know they've obviously brought Flacco back in uh, because because of the injury. But I mean, it, it, it's worth talking about that. Um, no one's shocked by the result. People expect them to lose. The scale of it probably was a surprising bit. But there's a couple of incidents. 
last week there was a rough in the passer call on Kyler Murray where he did he didn't even get knocked over. He literally stayed on his feet and it was like an arm on his arm, rough in the passer. You can understand the annoyance of the Jets fans. But there was two incidents in this game. One you could you could you could maybe say was okay, but the one one of those hits was scandalous. Um, it was late. It was low. He he, he had no protection. It it could have really damaged him. Not a single flag. Um, I think that it was Lawrence. Yeah, it was Lawrence Guy on the knee. Um, and the second one, Jude on. There was less intent for me, and his position made it look a bit a bit dubious. And the fall was bad, but I, it's hard to understand the officiating, and and there's no consistency in it at all. No, I mean it feels like you've only got a blow on a quarterback, and it's it's now a flag, and it's just pathetic. Like when someone's trying to sack someone, and they're still got the ball in their hand, and they take the launch and go and tackle them, asking them to tackle in a certain way and roll off them and stuff. It, yeah, you try your best, but it's just no common sense. It does my head in. So I think a lot of the flags are pathetic, a bit like that Kyle Murray one. But yes, you're right. That the one on Zach Wilson, the one where it was below the knee, and it was, it was, it's just one of those. I'm sure he didn't. There was no intent as such. I don't think he meant to do anything. But he's just not acceptable in the modern NFL. So that was a, clearly a flag. That's a hundred times worse than someone bumping into a quarterback and then knocking him over. That's what I, there is no consistency. And roughing the passer is the most pathetic flag that you see most weeks. But where's the consistency? If someone gets seriously injured or could get injured from that other tackle. Fine. That's the problem with it. I know. Um, <clears throat> another game which ended up being as one-sided as we all thought was was the Cardinals putting away the Texans. Cards were a bit slow to get going. Uh, we had we had Paul on last week. who was a Cardinals fan. And he was you know a really happy man at present. Obviously, um, I mean we don't that game. I suppose there's not much to say, but it's hard to find a weakness in that team at the minute. I guess. Yeah, they're they're definitely good enough now to just win most games. The problem is these sort of games don't help because there's been two or three occasions where the Cardinals have been a bit slow to get going. And I feel like they came into it with a lot of confidence. And it just seemed like they was a bit lethargic. Obviously, I'm sure they knew they was going to win this game. And that's how it felt. And they did. But it it wasn't anything that made me go, oh, wow, they're, they're amazing. But obviously, they've done that already. So, yeah. I like the Cardinals. I'm still something, something's telling me to still not believe. And I don't know why, because everything right. I've asked them to do, they're doing. But I still think they're, they're one of the best NFL teams. I just, something's still holding me back. And I'm not sure what it is. <laughs> it's Cliff Kingsbury. It's Cliff Kingsbury. Right. <laughs> that first half of the season and then the second half of the year totally collapsed. Something just flipped like a light switch. I'm saying I still don't trust him as a head coach. Mm-hmm. Like, I know he knows Kyler, but I don't think he's got a long-term future. Right, right now, for me, the Cardinals are probably playing in second gear. Like they're not, they're, they're beating teams comfortably, but they're not playing harder than they have to. They're not risking anything as much as they have to, which is probably a sign of a great team. Like they're making good additions. Like Zach Ertz, he's not an elite tight end. Let's let not everyone knows that, but he's a good addition. He had a nice, like say, he's another reliable weapon. Like say. Kyler's got more weapons than Buddy Soft Nick. No one's got. <laughs> he's cleaned up the, uh, like I say, he's cleaning up the turnovers. He used to force throwing exceptions, but right now he's probably the most exciting quarterback in the league, I'd say, right now. 
like I say, and the defense is great. Like I say, like the pass rush is is fierce. Like I say, it's it, in that division you need serious pass rush because everyone's got a pair of dynamic rushers. Like, and things are just slowly ticking. They're not spending too much money, but they're investing like to make a serious run. And like I say, I would like to say that make I'd love to see them go on a serious run this year. Mm. I know. Uh, they'll have to bring... I, I read something the other day that said, I know that the window's uh, ticking down and everything, but they need to bring find a way to bring Larry back if they're going to make a run at that uh, at the ball. Give Larry a shot. Could you imagine if they won a Super Bowl in the one year Fitz isn't in it? <laughs> Scandal. Scandal. Take it off. Uh, before they've got it. So let's let's give our, our guests this moment. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the Lions. I mean, no one expected the Lions to win that game. However, however, they completely came out swinging in the first quarter. It was it was brilliant. It was yes, like say, Sean McVay did that whole thing. Like, oh yeah, we we knew they were coming. We thought they were going to do that, but like you say, but he's lying through his teeth because we had a cornerback playing as the wide receiver on the fake point. We never expected that. He talks crap. <laughs> 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 but no, like I say, we hit that that nice. We knew they were going to go blitz. They were going to send everyone. Goff did that one good thing, right? He got it out quickly. Swift does what he does after the yards after the catch because right now he leads the whole league in yards after catch. Like he's having the best year. Like I say, he's looking fantastic. Like I say, next thing you know, onside kick. None of us saw that coming. Like I say, next drive slows down pretty slowly. 17-yard bomb from the best punter in the league. Like, and Lions fans were shell-shocked. Everyone is like, Dan Campbell came out to this game super aggressive. Let's say fake punts in a game. We went for it on fourth down multiple times. And we probably gave the Rams the toughest game of the year. But probably not had to play as complete this year to put a side away because we just, until the fourth quarter and the interception, we would just not go away. We were a thorn in our side. And that was really encouraging for Lions fans. Yeah, I was a big fan of. Uh, I mean, you know, Cooper Cup had a monster game again, as he, as he does every week. It feels like, but I was a big fan of Penny Sewell squaring up to Aaron Donald the way he did. I love that. I mean, you know, he, he had a big reputation coming in from the draft this year, but there's a lot of expectation on him for that reason. But he, everything I read and everything I hear is that he's he's pretty much living up to it. So far, yeah, like I say, he's had the odd down week, like I say. I think he only allowed one quarterback hit, like say less than a pressure, no sack, like say in the last two, three weeks, he's he's looked great. Like say Donald thought he could pick on a rookie. He picked the wrong rookie to pick on, like say <laughs> still told him to off, grabbed his face mask, gave him a quick punch. Like say he said he won't be bullied. Like him and Jonah Jackson, who's our second year guard, like them two are building a formidable opposite opposite rag now in the centre. Like say, we're building one of the best lines in the league. And he's a King Lynch pin, like I say, we ch- we picked Sewell over like Chase, like all these people we could have moved up for, like serious weapons. We decided to take a building block, which isn't always sexy, but like I say, he's had to not to justify it yet, because like I say, he's slotted in very nicely, and it, it's getting hard to decide what we do when Decker comes back because he's the franchise left tackle. Now he's got another franchise left tackle, like serious questions are raising their head. I'm not being funny, but when you're in the situation you're in, we're just seeing it with the Jets, where they're not—they've had issues protecting Donald in the past, and they're doing it again. 
I think if you're in a situation you guys are in where you're in a full rebuild, really, let's face it, the best thing you can do is start with doing your line. Get yourself, you know, if you've got a couple of good players there, you keep them and then build around it with rookies like you have. And the thing is, next year, I'm assuming Jared Goff won't be your plan, or, you know, or you sit a rookie, potentially, within the next two years, they're going to be going into a situation, even if you're not a hell of a lot better, if you've got a solid line, straight away they've got protection, which gives them time to build up their own confidence. You've got the running game. So in the next year or two, you have a progression where I look at the Jets and, okay, I, I agree, Robert Sala is someone I like. But the problem is with them, their line is still really questionable. And the guys they've taken, I'm not even sure they're good enough. So they're still going to be addressing that in the next two years. They're running back, they're still hoping Michael Carter. They haven't got anyone else. You know, there's so many questions going on with that team, the defense, the offense, everything. But with the Lions, I feel like your line's sorted, your running back's sorted. To a certain extent, if you had some receivers, I think Goff would have a bit more chance as well because... Yes, Goff is still making bonehead mistakes. There's times where his body language, you just want to slap him around the face. And that's probably why why, why Sean McVay got fed up with him. But he hasn't got much weapon-wise, let's face it. And he has kept you in games. He's had moments in games. He seems to be gradually getting worse. But in this game, the first two-thirds of it, he was fine. It was just it was just that turnover at the end. And even that was partly Ramsey making a good play. So I was gutted when Ramsey got that because I generally thought, you're going to get a touchdown here. I still thought the Rams would go down the other end and win. But that would have been great because Sean McVay was pacing. He was pacing for most of that game. He was like, this wasn't planned. I can't have Jared Goff coming back in. Here <laughs> because we've just gave up so much for an older quarterback and we're going to lose to the, one of the worst teams in the NFL. Um, yeah, I was gutted that he didn't quite get the job done. But fair play, the guts that Lions team has. As a fan, that must be pretty good, mate. Like, if you, you know, your team is not, bar a few players, is pretty poor. But they're fighting every week. There's not, it's only really been one game, I think, where you guys have been blown out. Otherwise, you guys have been really much in these games. From your point of view, was it weird, though, seeing Matt Stafford obviously now playing for the Rams and you having Jared Goff? It's one of those things, like, if you go on Twitter, like, it's two things. Like, people either give you loads of crap for liking Stafford and wanting to succeed and say you're not a true Lions fan. Or yeah. we want Stafford to do well because we did right by him to pick his trade. We didn't always put him in the best position. Now we can win. I love Stafford. Stafford's still my guy. I know them doing well affects our second draft pick. But we've still got two first-round picks. So I don't really care what the second way is. If Stafford wins the Super Bowl and we pick 32nd, I'll be delighted. I will stand on my roof. I'll shout. I've got loads of signs. Stafford gear. Like, still love him. He's my favourite player. It's, it sucks to see him six, like do look so happy. Like It makes you think like, must have been times where he thought, just can't do this no more. Like, this lion's like, it's it drained him. And now, like, he looks trimmer. He's lost weight. I can tell he looks a bit buffer. Like, he's living this new LA lifestyle. But, yeah, like I say, it hurts, stings a little, but I can look past it for the Stafford family and, like, everything they gave us. I think the big difference is as well, he, I feel like he did, he, he hung it out as long as he could. He had, I'm sure he could have left two, three years ago or kicked off a few years ago because it felt like the last couple of years he was just in a in a shitstorm, to be honest. And he, he tried his best. He was doing his best. He wasn't sulking. He just got on with it. And I, and that's right. I don't think there's anything wrong with still supporting a player because you've spent the past, what, 10 plus years supporting that player and leading your franchise. But the only thing I'm going to say to you, because I have this same issue going on with a Bucks quarterback, if he'd have gone to the Bears, um, how would you... I mean, I still... I'm going to sit here and say this. I still want James Winston to do well. Now, I want him to do well 
when he leaves the Saints more than when he's playing for the Saints. Now, I'm happy for him to do well because the Bucks have won a Super Bowl. Either way, I've won in that sense because I didn't think I was going to see that. But obviously, I don't want him next week coming out and completely embarrassing us. So I won't be supporting him that week. But a lot of the Bucks fans have that same issue. They're like, if you want James Winston to do well, then you aren't a real Bucks fan. The only thing I agree with that is he's a he's at the rivals. Like they're to us, to the Bucks fans now, the Saints are the biggest rival. So if Stafford was playing for the Bears, how would you feel about it then? He'd be a traitor. If he'd have stayed in the <laughs> stayed in the NFC North and like say turned on us to then like twice, three times a year decide to put us in the coffin, like oh, I wouldn't have been able to accept that. It'd have been a little bit dead. That's fair. Yeah. Especially if he had the choice. If he gets traded there, that's not his fault, is it? So if he actually goes there in free agency, like James. <laughs> he wouldn't he wouldn't have done it. Good guy. Um, sticking with the NFC North for a minute, the Packers picked up another win, taking them six and one for the season, beating Washington. Interesting to read some of the fallout from the, from this one from a Washington point of view. The, I read something in the Washington Post that uh, it said that this was the most complete performance of the season for Washington, and at the, at the same time they were like, "That's how bad the situation is." <laughs> that this defeat was still the most complete performance. I mean, they had their moments, they had some chances, they had some, you know, some things that went to tight calls. But, I mean, if their defence was anything like we thought it was going to be, they might not be in this situation. But there's, there's not a lot to like offensively about this team either when they are also shipping 30 points a game. No. Um to be fair, this game, 24-10, is an injustice to Washington. They did perform better than that. They did actually look... They went toe-to-toe, the Packers. This score is actually completely outrageous, really. There was a couple of penalties I'm not really... I mean, they technically were right, but they're just stupid penalties. Like the one where he got the touchdown, but he was giving himself up because he slipped and touched the floor. Like that. I mean, that is the rule, so technically there's nothing wrong with it, but just pathetic. And that just sums... That was a massive moment in the game, and that... That was the difference of maybe them getting back in this. But, um, yeah, it does sum up the Washington franchise because this was probably their, one of their better displays and they put up 10 points. And, like you say, the offence, Heineke's OK. I, I, I've heard people getting on Heineke's back, but what was we anyone expecting from Heineke? He was not even in the league a year ago. He's doing fine, I think. I think he's doing OK. He's not going to win them any games. He's fine. Yeah. He's doing fine for who he is. Um the running game, obviously, they mentioned something about Gibson. Isn't he playing with a broken bone or something? I heard he's got quite a major injury that he's been playing through. So he's obviously not 100%. But the running game hasn't really done much this year. Um, like you say, defence was supposed to be the thing that was going to carry this team into the playoffs. And even in this game, they had a few moments. But it wasn't like, wow, they're back. It's, their defence is just poor. Um, I don't really know where they go from here. Where do they go from here? I feel, I feel a bit lost with them. Like... I like Ron Rivera. It felt like last year a lot of things went against Washington and Ron. And probably because of that, they maybe stepped it up. I don't know. But this year, this is kind of fallen back to what do we go from here? Because if they don't carry on, if they carry on like this, does Ron Rivera get pushed out at the end of the year? I feel really cheated by Washington. Before this year, I thought, do not they're real contenders? They'll win that division. They'll, like say, they'll go on, like say, maybe win a game in the playoffs. And I made that basis off of, like say, Chase Young, Montez Sweat, that ferocious 
line that keeps them in games, gives problems to guys, like say. But no, they've just, like I say, they've had their injuries. But like I say, Tail Heineke, he's not the worst guy. He's serviceable when he needs to be. They've got Scary Terry, who's probably one of the most underrated guys on the outside in the league. Like They've got these weapons, but like I say, that run game, I was expecting things and it's just not materialising. Like I say, Antonio Gibson, like, it's just it's just not living up to the potential. Like I say, like, you know, it's like a misfire. Like I say, Ron Rivera's coming under serious pressure. Injuries, like say, struggling on the back end, like I say, the secondary isn't getting time to operate because the, the, the front seven aren't getting there. They're not collapsing pockets. And right now, they just look like it's a one-horse race in the NFC East and they're, they're slowly falling off the pace. I don't know where they go. I don't, I don't know who's the man to take them forward. I don't think their franchise quarterback is on the roster. They're going to be making a move again. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> it could well be, couldn't it? Let's see how that pans out. I mean, yeah, that, that defeat puts them on t- two and five and they're joined there. I, I think when we did our preview of that division, I think, I don't know if I was the only one, but I certainly had them to win that division, I think. Um I would but, have said they were close to it. Yeah, in the mix. Challenging. I mean, that puts them on two and five, along with the Giants, who beat the Panthers 25-3. And when Red Zone can make a game look bad, it's a bad game, isn't it? I mean, I, I was just sat... The few bits we saw that, I was just kind of sat there going, what is going on here? You've got early season, everyone's going, oh, Darnold, Darnold's working out there. He looks like a good pickup. Then he's getting taken out of the game. <laughs> And they're shipping 25 points to a team as bad as the Giants. I mean, I don't know, somebody someone say something positive about that game. Um, I, I think if you're a Giants fan, there's lots to be positive about. They yeah. lost half their team. I mean, they should never have won this game, or not that clearly. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I would go as far as saying that the Panthers are just outside the bottom five in my power rankings. And, I've, and I've, I would have had them in the bottom half even when I was 3-0. I felt a lot better than I do. I did about them than I do now. But we now know the Sam Darnold experience has almost reached that point where we've given up on him. Um, and if PJ Walker had come in and maybe completed more than three of his 14 or 15 passes, I think Darnold might not have been starting the next game. But uh, yeah, to, to be fair to the Giants, once they got going, they was a bit slow getting going. Once they got going, they, they, they did well. Daniel Jones played really well with what was a very injured offence. And the defence... We know can be sneaky good when it all comes together, and they didn't have to be because they had to play Sam Darnold. I think the Giants are really good. I think, like, obviously the injuries, but the Giants have got the basis of a good team. Like, Daniel Jones, I've got a soft spot for the guy. Like, he's talented. Like you say, he's had his turnover issues, the fumbles, but he made a, a ridiculous catch. Like, I love mm-hmm. that trick. Like, he's short, he's got real athleticism. The secondary, Logan Ryan, Xavier McKinney, James Bradbury, like they've got a really nice defense to some great parts. Zimenez, they've got like a good defensive line. Like they give Carolina hell. Like say, the wheels have totally fallen off Sam Darnold. Carolina offense, like say, with no McCaffrey, it just doesn't exist. Like it just, there's nothing there. Like this is going to be, turn out to be a very expensive mistake bringing in Darnold, shipping in. Like they're going to pay for this in cap one day. They, they look like a team that's in real danger of free fall. I mean, where, is, where is Robbie Anderson? Where is he? <laughs> well, he had nine what? targets. 
Yeah, he didn't catch anything, and nor did he the week before either. But and look, he's throwing in the ball. I know. I mean, what you're saying about the Giants there. Last season, we were the back end of last season. We were full of praise for that the defensive side of the game. It started to look really, really good, and then early part of this season, you think, what's happened there? Where's it gone? They are they are suffering with injuries. I mean, Golladay is the best the best wide receiver in the game who ever plays. He's brilliant. Yeah. He's brilliant. They're not playing. Um, He's definitely and, the best wide receiver on the bench. And obviously Saquon is Saquon. That situation. Evan Engram is, I think, probably not worked out there. So that they need to have a look at that situation. But yeah, it's not it's not all doom and gloom, I suppose. Um, as far as they go, but the, that result drops the Panthers to the foot of the South, James. And after the Falcons beat the Dolphins, uh, last minute field goal drive, then Kyle Pitts is now tight end one and wide receiver one. And and, and you know, who's going to tell him he's not because he's scary as well? Yeah, he, yeah, he was the best offensive player. Well, maybe we can argue Chase, Let's, we'll, we'll give Chase that, but. But yeah, when it comes to otherwise, I mean, obviously he's an incredible as a tight end. He's a wide receiver, so he's basically Julio Jones in the tight end world is how that's the only way you can describe it. And he's full of confidence now. Him and Ryan are just connecting. I'm starting to fear that Falcons offense. That was the offense I expected to see a bit earlier. But obviously Calvin Ridley's still not very much involved in that offense, and he's had you know he had his personal issues which stopped him traveling to London. Yeah, there's definitely so much more potential. Gage was back, he looked good. If Ridley can start getting a bit more open and being a bit more himself, then who stops the Falcon offence? Cordell Patterson, I mean, he's rolling back the years. He's never really had it in the NFL, but he's he's a beast. He is. He's incredible to watch. He's obviously a, a great pass catcher. So, Mike Davis, I mean, has anyone seen him? Does he still exist? <laughs> no, it's not worked out. Ryan, what do you think? Really like to say like, the Falcons' defense is utter crap. Yeah, it lets down. <laughs> it lets the league's best offenses. Like I will die on this hill that Matt Ryan is a great quarterback. He has done wonders for that Falcons team over the years. He's carried them. Like say, he's now got a new potential favorite weapon. Like say, Pitts is that that new hybrid can work on the end of the line, but you can put him out wide. He's just a savvy route runner. Like say. Cordell Patterson. Christ, I hated playing that guy for so many years. He's <laughs> yeah. can be used as He's an elite returner. What a steal as a free agent. Like the Bears are stupid to let him go. Ridley, like you say, had those issues. I expect him to shake it off. Russell Gage is an alright weapon. Like you say, he's he's done okay. The the line like does does like you say it leads to interceptions. Like you say, Ryan has too much pressure in his face sometimes. Like say the Falcons defense, there's not much to say about it. Like say they kind of rely on AJ Terrell week in week out. If you get good Terrell, they look okay. If you get bad Terrell, like he's not looking good. The Dolphins though, like they just they just your team out. They just confuse me. Like, I just feel so sorry for Tua. Like he deserves just better on and off the field. Like he doesn't know where he's. I mean, you know they. We we talked. I talked about this last week with the, the guys who were on with me, and like, they don't have a bye week until mid December. They deferred their their option to take the bye week after the London game, and they they need to do something quick about this run. I mean, they play the Bills next week, so you can't see much hope for them there. 
I don't know, they just, I just don't know what's happened to that team where everybody at the start of the season was saying, yeah, that you, could, you couldn't even call them dark horses, really, because people just expected them to be a very, very decent force, and they're so far away from it now. I think we actually got it right last year, though. We we said all along, like, they, they, the turnovers, they've got a lot of turnovers, and we, we said it going into this year, they can't keep that level up. It's, it's well known that, you know, a team that has all those turnovers, there's an element of luck. You make the luck, of course you do, but to expect to keep doing that is not going to happen. So that defence, that's gone backwards on that front, and I just think it's overall defence is not as good as it obviously was. There's more to it all. There's, the problem is, I feel like with Tua, ever since he's come in this league, he's not been given... There's been no respect for him, really. I mean, there's been question marks with the Dolphins fans. We know he had the injury going into the draft. That didn't help because they everyone was like, that's a risk. Taking him in a draft is risk because he's, he was still rehabbing at that stage. And I think... From that moment on to then going into with Ryan Fitzpatrick actually playing well, kept him out of it. And then when he came into it, including us, we was like, well, look, we we're really looking forward to seeing Tua, but Ryan Fitzpatrick wasn't doing anything wrong. He was winning games. Why would you take him out? And Tua did okay in the most part in those first few games. But the problem is they, he didn't improve that offense. Ryan Fitzpatrick actually was probably more solid than him. And then the question marks came. And I just feel so sorry for Tua because he had to go into this season off the back of that. And then... And then he's gone into this season and Deshaun Watson's been going on. The whole off-season has been going on. And even now, it rears his ugly head. If any twat, and I mean this, and I'm saying this personally, is if I'm talking to an individual as a franchise, t- goes and trades for him, yes, you're getting him maybe a bit cheaper than you would. But he could end up in jail. So first of all, that's one big problem. Second of all, even if he doesn't get found guilty, there is a lot of problems going on there. But... All right, innocent to bring you. I get all that, but this is a lot of cases. This isn't just two people. This is a lot of cases. So the morals isn't there. Third of all, you've got a guy that's in his second year who hasn't had his chance, and you're already giving up on him. I'm sorry, but I wouldn't want to play for a franchise who does that. Now, I think a lot of it is hot air, and it obviously came out in the off season that this was going to happen, and it didn't. So I'm sure maybe a lot of it is hot air, but even the Panthers are being linked now. I mean, I know Sam Darnold is not the answer. But if anyone goes and trades for him, I generally will hate him forever. And I don't even... I, it sounds... I know they don't care. But I think yeah, there's no way I can ever get on board with a franchise who goes out their way to get somebody who could still end up going down for some serious stuff for the moral reason, as well as the fact they've all got, like... They've got Tua. If Miami do it, it's even worse. So I, I'm gutted for Tua. He deserves a chance. He hasn't even been that bad. Um, but, yeah, they needed to win this game. They, this was the game they had to win. You're playing the Falcons. They are improving, but you needed to win that game. Now they haven't. The season's over. You're done. You might as well just be a top 10 pick now. You're not going anywhere. Sorry, Dolphins fans, but it's just the truth. I think only Mike Gizicki can say he come out this game with his head held high because he is he's looking good. I'd say that they're losing. The Dolphins have got currently three top 10 picks. Right? So they've yeah. got capital. If they go and blow it all, God, that front office, like, it, it yeah. would be pretty astonishing. And it yeah. comes back down to, again, no line. The weapons have been injured. So straight away, the problem's not to her. It wasn't to her. To anyone with half a brain, the problem's not to her. But that line needs sorting out. It needed sorting out last year. And then, you know, they've still got things. They, they got rid of a lot of people on defence, but they signed only a year before. That's where I feel like stuff's going on above. The coaching's got away with some of it, but I'm not sure... I'm not sure what's going on with Flores and something else is going on above. It just all looked like they've lost confidence in something. And it could be the ownership because of a lot of these rumours. But I'm, I feel sorry for Dolphins fans because 
you're sitting here right now with a team that you're expecting to be pushing on for the playoffs, and here you are now looking like top five pick, um, as well as, you know, you've got a lot of picks to sort out next year, but what a miserable season. Like, to go yeah. from being disappointed to this level is um, it's just unprecedented, and it could get worse if they get Watson. What is the point of that? You might win four games this year. Well done. I'm sorry. I'm completely quite all right. That's quite all right. I'm so angry. That's what what we for. I love it. Um, Let's have a look at two of the biggest storylines from the week's games. Then we can start with the Titans and that uber impressive win over the Chiefs, 27-3. James, we talked for a few weeks about how bad that Kansas defense is and how they keep, they will, and they have done, and they will have to keep leaning on the three the three big boys to bail them out was never going to happen every week. This game was just miserable in every aspect for them. Both sides of the ball totally dominated, but nothing, you know, nothing but credit to the Tennessee Titans. We've given their defense all manner of shit this season uh, and to, you know, held them out completely. Brilliant performance. Yeah. um, Even after their win against the Bills, I still was like, yeah, you're not going to beat the Chiefs. Um, so I can only apologise to the Titans for that because the last two weeks the defence still hasn't been perfect. Well, it's been perfect against the Chiefs. You can't argue that. I mean, they got pressure to him. They completely scrambled him. They did as well as any defence by the Bucks has ever done against him. But but I must admit, the offence has just it's stepped up as well, hasn't it? I mean, we know about Henry, but that pass game, like, where's that been the rest of the season? I know they've been missing pieces. Julio Jones has been in and out. AJ Brown missed a couple of games, but that looked un- unstoppable, to be honest with you. So, yeah, the Titans, if they play like that, the offense is good enough to put up 25-plus points most weeks. And if the defense can just improve and show some signs, they're definitely worthy of a playoff place, if not winning the game. But can we just come back? The Chiefs' defense, I would say, it's hard to say they're the worst t- defense, but they pretty much are. <laughs> and... They've been fraudulent for the last two, three years because of how Mahomes and that offense plays. They can get some turnovers to cover it all up. But they, I said last year they weren't good, but this one is absolute shit. And it's kind of some. It's, it's, I don't really enjoy it. And I'm sorry, Chiefs fans, but that defense is absolutely horrendous. And it's it's kind of nice to see Mahomes not cover it up because he. They, I feel like the offense is slowly taking a step back every year, and that's because people are working stuff out. But when your defence can't stop anything, that pressure on that offence, that's what happens to you. And now you need to sort it out because the O-line is dreadful and your defence is dreadful. So you're not going and you're not winning the Super Bowl with that. No, I agree. Like the Chiefs issue started in the off-season. Who decides to get rid of an O-line, basically an yeah. entire o and build a new one from scratch? <laughs> Mahomes can be a magician, but he still needs time in the pocket. Like I say, the, the interceptions, they were on him because they were when he was scrambled and rolling out the pocket. Like, he didn't look good. Like, he looked very careless, and that's not a word we usually use with him. Defence is a mess. Like I say, not like last week, they benched Daniel Sorensen, one of their key players, the safety, who has been trash. One of PFS lowest all year. Like, they just cannot rely on these guys. The cornerbacks are getting cooked. Like I say, the Titans are trending in the right direction. Like, I'm not the biggest fan of Ryan Tannehill, but the guy is a safe pair of hands. He doesn't take risks. He's a very calm, level-headed guy. Derek Henry is crushing it for my fantasy team. He is he is Hall of Fame bound. Like he is doing those, he's doing ridiculous things. So whenever you've got him, you've always got a chance. Like you say, Julio is kind of dinking and dunking, but made like a fantastic grab. Like 
they're trending in the right direction, like say they've got some reasonably good tight ends, like say they've got good defensive backs, like say that Titan secondary has come on a lot in the last few years, like say Kevin Bayard, like say they've got one of some of the best safeties in the league, like the Titans really if they don't make a championship this game this year, it will be a huge disappointment. Like the fans' expectations are are soaring now and they've got to deliver. Keeping Henry fit, who takes so many hits, is gonna be key. Like he runs very upright. He does worry you sometimes when you watch him run like someone's gonna crunch him one day. And they'll 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 come off worse though when they do. Probably. <laughs> Um, I mean, the only uh, James you've already touched on it, so I was just going to back that point up that that watching him, watching Mahomes in that game, just made me think it just looked like the books in the Super Bowl. Yeah. He, he was so harassed and he was so, you know, under duress. That was exactly what they did. They did an incredible job getting to him. Um, well, the Titans haven't exactly been blessed with getting pressure to the quarterback. I mean, that's yeah. been their issue last year and so far up to really recently this year. But that's how bad the Chiefs' O-line is because they had no issue. Mahomes was running, like you say, it was like the Super Bowl. Mahomes was having to run for his life the whole time and it leads to mistakes. It just does. I mean, it doesn't matter who you are. It's, I don't know. I, I feel like it's been coming. It's been coming for about a year and it's come so all at once and now it looks... You know, not only does it look bad because they got hammered by the Titans, they're three and four. Still, people are going on, they're going to go unbeaten this year or... You know, they're easily going to be a number one seed. Nah, you're struggling to make the playoffs. Yeah. Um, cast your mind back, though, James, because a couple of weeks back I asked if your opinion on the Bengals had changed. And <laughs> when I first asked you, you said you weren't, there was one time you said you weren't really convinced, you weren't sure. Then after the Green Bay game, when they should have won, could have won, you said you were changing your stance. I mean, what about now? 41 17 against the Ravens. Yeah. Um, good to see. Really fun to watch. J- Jamar Chase. Jesus, have a week off, mate. <laughs> Not your bye week. <laughs> um, yeah, I just I don't know. I'm I'm blown away because first the reason why I was a bit unsure about the Bengals is just because Joe Burrow's injury injury was you know pretty big stuff. You can't just expect him to come walking straight back in. He had very little preseason, and there was times early on where he made some good passes, but he made some terrible mistakes. But he's past that. I mean, the last few weeks he's as good as anyone. I mean, my fantasy team tells me that. Um, so, yeah, their, their defence has been the biggest improvement, though. Um, their line and the defence are the two things that were pretty poor coming into the last year or two. And that, we, we've spoke about it, obviously, with Peter. Um, and he, he highlighted it first on here. But that defence is one of the best in the league, as it stands. Um, and when that offence clicks, it puts up points. And the Ravens found that out. Um didn't see that coming. And it was a really good game for most part. And then obviously the Bengals ran away with it at the end. But yeah, I mean, the Ravens, the problem is with the Ravens, they've got a lot of injuries. They've lost a lot of running backs and they've got away with it up till now. But there's only so many times Freeman and Lev Bell are going to do anything for you. So that running game has been exposed. It's fallen apart. Latavius Murray was out and he just didn't look the same team. Just, Lamar can't keep carrying them. And then they came up against a really good team that hit it all on the right notes on the right day and thoroughly deserved. And, yeah, I I don't know if I believe the Bengals are going far this year, but who can write them off at the moment? I mean, they've, they've certainly been in some tough teams. Isn't Ryan, should we just give Call the offensive rookie of the year, done and dusted, give him it now? Yeah, the pace he's on is ridiculous. Like, say, no one's catching him. 
like I say, he's having a he's having a Justin Jefferson type few season. You can just tell he's going to run away with it. I don't even know who the next. I don't even know. I'd put second. Like I can't even think of another candidate right now. Oh, <laughs> Like you say, the Bengals, the Bengals are legit, aren't they? Like Trey Hendrickson, like what an off-season addition that's made. Like that yeah. pass rush. Then you got like Sam Hubbard, like behind one of the best safeties in the league, Jesse Bates. Like it's a spine that goes right through the team. Like you say, Joe Mixon. People have different, varied opinions on him. I've always said he's probably a top ten running back on his day, if he can be asked if he stays fit. But like you say. Burrow, I didn't expect him to play this well after such a serious injury, yeah. but he's scrambling well. He's keeping players alive, even behind a mediocre line, but they're putting up points, like they got that LSU thing going on. Like, with, uh, it's, like, it's like they never left. It's just like you knew it was going to be fate and destiny when they reunited. And I think it's actually safe to say now that taking not taking Penny Soul was the totally right idea. You know, doing that but they've probably made the best decision for them I'd say and it's it, it's suddenly reaping its rewards now because he's on a tearing path 700 plus yards already like they look like a juggernaut right now the only thing that can derail them is in touch wood they still healthy they should yeah it all looks pretty rosy um a couple more games a few more games to cover we'll start with the Raiders beating the Eagles. Something made me fancy the Eagles. It was a gut uh, instinct last week. And for like one drive, I was looking <laughs> good. One drive, I was like, yep, yeah, yeah, all good. And then they just, no. Uh, 30 unanswered points after that point from the Raiders. We know they've got talent defensively because they, they put up points every week. Um, but their defence was always questionable. No problem in this one. Kept like seven points conceded in the first three quarters and then obviously Jalen Hurst did his, his garbage time business um, James you were a little bit more positive than a lot of people on the Eagles earlier in the season I remember you kind of saying you thought they were going to be sneaky uh, how are you feeling now? I've been duped the whole fourth quarter Jalen Hurst I think for the first couple of weeks made me believe that they was going to go somewhere but now I just realise he's just playing himself in fantasy every week and needs to push his numbers up yeah, no, I'm, I'm, they're a team I'm done with. I, I thought there was optimism. They, they've got enough that they should be like at least a tier up of those bottom six. And they probably are just above them, but they're not a tier up at all. And They just can't get both sides to work. There's been a couple of games where you've gone, well, the defence did all right. There's been a couple of times the offence has done all right. But I think at best they'll, they'll, they'll have one shot win this year where they beat a team they shouldn't and they'll get to five wins or something like that. They're in, a, they're in the right division to get five, six wins, but they're pretty poor. Jalen Hurts, oh, he ain't the answer. I'm, I'm not giving up on him because uh, I don't think it's, once again, it's just not him. It's the whole team. But he keeps doing it where he has a couple of drives through a game, then he goes missing for a big chunk of it and then at the end he finds a couple, but it doesn't matter. You know, like I said, in fantasy football, they should just remove. If someone's three scores behind, you should just not score any points if you score after that. Because people like Jalen Hurts would not be classed as a top quarterback. So, yeah, I'm, unfortunately, Eagles fans, I'm done. Ryan, you, you'll have watched probably a bit of him coming out of college. Is he is he worth sticking with for you? Uh, no, I, I just don't rate him. 
he, he, the turnovers aren't great. He makes these silly lapses in judgment, like you say. He can make all the throws. Like I say, like it's not physical. Like I say, it's mental for him. It's yeah. processing. Like I say, it's keeping the errors down. Now, I had Derek Carr off the bench and I was playing Hurts. So I had this fantasy matchup as well as the game. And I was worried after the first drive. But then I thought, this is the Eagles. It never lasts. They tire quickly. They've got a good defensive line. Like It's hard to run the ball against them. Like say the secondary, it can be you can you can toast it. It often like it's often burnt toast. Like say they go through wide receivers like bloody nobody's business. Like the amount of picks they've spent on absolute busts. I agree, Hertz probably isn't in the best position or the best team to probably show us your potential. But I really don't think he's got that much more to offer. I think Tua is far superior. If I had to compare the two, I'd take him ten out of ten times. The Eagles going to scrape a few wins, like say, I feel good this week. I'm liking this week's chances. <laughs> like say, the Raiders are all weird. Like the Raiders yeah. have, like say, the Derek Carr makes magic work with no run game because Josh Jacobs is a bust. That guy just cannot stay healthy. Like he just, he just always broken. Waller, he did it without Darren Waller, which is pretty mm-hmm. good. Like he's a weapon. Hunter Renfro. Like I say, it's, it's the defence that can be a liability. But when you've got someone like Max Crosby leading the league in, like, pressures, he's up there in sacks, like, say, quarterback hits. Like, he's playing like a man possessed this year. When you've got a quarterback like that on both sides of the field, you're always going to be in the games. And they weren't distracted by all the uh, the off-field shit with John Gruden. Like I say, they, they kept their heads down. They got the job done. They'll be middle of the road this year, Raiders. But there's potential there. Yeah. I think so. Um, <clears throat> last game on the Sunday was, of course, Colts against the Niners. It was back and forth for a time until the Colts got hold of the game. Start with Sam Fran, Ryan. They've had terrible troubles with injury in the running back room this season. Every season, uh, it feels like. Um, Eli Mitchell came back into the fold. Sixth round pick uh, in the draft. Can he hold that down? For the rest of the season, if he needs to, do you think? Yeah, he can. I know that kid from Louisiana Monroe. He was a really solid pickup. Like you didn't expect him to get this workload, but he's got he's got like stats in college. Like you say, he was used to carrying a team, putting him on his back. And sometimes the chips just fall your way. Like you say, Sermon always a healthy scratch. Raheem Mostert, they lost him to the Lions after one drive of the season. Like that just stops. Like you knew it was going to be injuries that hurt the 49ers, but no, like I said, the quarterbacks, it's just a mess right now. Like I said, Jimmy isn't always healthy. Lance, just isn't ready yet, but he's got a huge ceiling. It doesn't help taking one in, putting one out. Like you can't keep changing him. There's no there's no rhythm there on offense. They've got an elite defense, like I say, but it just wasn't enough against, like I say, a decent power team. And the Colts are just really good all over the field. They just they shoot themselves in the foot often, but they should be far better than they are. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. I was going to put you on the spot, James, but I might anyway, to be honest. Um, 49ers 2-4, Jimmy G came back in. One touchdown, two interceptions, a couple of very, very silly mistakes, particularly late on. Given where they are and what they have available, would you like... If Lance is fit, would you like to see him come back into the team and stay in the team? Or would you, on the opposite, just like him to sit down for the rest of the season? 
I think they need to seriously look at their where they're at, who's available, and if they generally believe they can get back in the season. Because Trey Lance is not ready. I always didn't think he would probably be ready for probably most of the season, to be honest. And I think he could come in, he could learn something. Some people say, well, I sit someone. But I think if you bring in Trey Lance in it, you're probably not going to qualify for the playoffs. That's just how I feel about it. And there's a good chance you won't with Jimmy G either, because I feel like he's an average quarterback. I think he's been exposed. He has a couple of good moments, but generally he's just your bog-standard average quarterback. So you're probably not going anywhere with either of them. So in that sense, yes, maybe Trey Lance will stick with him. But if you do believe you've got a few weapons, like Kittle's supposed to come back soon, and couple of guys come back and you feel like you can win a few of these next games. I think you probably need to lean back on Jimmy G. I don't think he was 100% going into this game because Trey Lance got injured. And I think if he was fit, I don't think Jimmy G was started. Mm. So I, I think if, if Jimmy G's okay to go next week, apparently he's the starter. They've announced that. Um, I would go down that route if you still believe there's still a chance of you winning this season. If you if you think you're done, then go with Trey Lance. Just get him in, get the experience in. Mm. Interesting to watch. Keep an eye on that one. Last game of the week was, of course, the Saints pipping the Seahawks in a terribly, terribly dull game, one that we don't need to really spend a great deal of time talking about. Interesting when you look at the box score. Uh, Alvin Kamara, what was it, 140-something receiving yards he had? I mean, I like the way they've just gone, who's our best player? It's this guy, and it's so... He can just be our best at everything and we'll just give the ball to him. It's like when you play on a football team at school and you've got one player who's miles better than everybody else. You just give the ball to him the entire game. It works. Well, he did it last year, didn't he? He carried the Saints to the playoffs last year. So, but yeah, ironically, he's had four receiving touchdowns and one rushing on the season. Does it all, really? Well, I didn't watch the game, so I can't offer anything, I'm afraid. I, I did watch the game, I said. The Saints don't have slant, boy. Mr. Slant isn't there. <laughs> Mike Thomas, for me, is overrated. He's one-dimensional. You know what he does, like you say. He's not a deep threat. Of course, he gets about 150 receptions a year because he runs a three-yard slant and gets it done. <laughs> but no, Alvin Kamara. We use DeAndre Swift like they use Alvin Kamara. Yeah. He's a better catching back, like you say. He's dynamic. They couldn't stop him. And the Parsi hard. Probably should have won that game, but when you've got Geno Smith on the center, what the hell can you do? Like DK Metcalf in the first drive, 85 yard touchdown. How many catches did he get for the rest of the game? One. <laughs> you don't trust him enough to throw the ball. Like yeah. it's, it's bad. Like if Russ needs to, like I'd put Geno you know, hands off and put it on Russell Wilson. I'd surgically attach that to game back. Geno Smith don't need that. It's yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with their season because they just look very, very middle of the road. And it appears uh, Chris Carson is out. He's on IR at the minute, but the, the talk is he's done. He's done for the season, and he's got a real problem there long term in terms of how he can get back fit, which is which is sad. So they've lost their their two kind of main guys there, and it's a shame when you've got wide receivers of the the caliber of Lockett and and Metcalf with nobody to put the ball on them as well. And it, it feels weird. What's the actual plan? Because Gino Smith, I get it. We know he's not very good. <laughs> but he's been there a couple of years now. So you must have gone, if Russell goes down, we believe in this guy, he's been here. Like, at least give him a chance. It doesn't feel like they even give him a chance because like you say, Ryan, they don't really believe in him. But then what's the, what was the point? Like, 
So why didn't you get somebody else who you could go if you need to? We believe he could be good. They obviously don't believe in Geo Smith, so that was terrible. This could be Russell Wilson's last year in Seattle. All that last year, all that like, if you're not going to put an offensive line out there, stop getting sacked. I'll go. But if someone comes in this year, offers them two first round picks and some extra, they might pull the trigger. Like maybe it's time to start thinking about rebuilding. I'm not trading, but youth, I'd say, because how long has Russ got in? I might say he's yeah. going to get the season's done. Seattle season's over. Can't rely on Rashad Penny to carry an offense. That guy's ended every year on IR. Like four years, he's played about ten games. Absolute bust. Yeah, it's we when we talked about that at the very before the season even started, James. I think the week before first recording, and we said about whether Russ, you know, how hard did he push, or was it kind of a bit of a flirtation to see what came in, but. You know, we were a little bit surprised that it kind of died down and he stayed where he was because I don't think any of us expected much from them this season and it feels like another wasted wasted year of his career. Yeah, he's one of those people that benefited from the right situation at the right time early on in his career and then it feels like he's suffered it forever since because mm. they haven't protected him well. He's lucky that he has had more injuries. They don't protect him. They don't care about him. That's why the running backs get injured all the time. They don't, they don't have any protection, so... I feel, I, yeah, I think you're right. I could see Russell Wilson go somewhere else, and there'd be about 30 other teams that want him. It's easy to get Rodgers. It'll cost less. I like to say, there's no Legion of Boom anymore. Seattle no. don't have a defence. Like, Russell's good, but Christ, he relied on them a lot. Yeah. He could go to the books because they're going to need a new quarterback next year. No, we've got, we've got him for another seven years, haven't we? <laughs> God forbid. If he can wait another year, there's a chance because Brady's contract runs out. <laughs> we'll all be saved. Um, that's all the game squared away, fellas. Before we uh, obviously, we'll, when we finish up, we'll we'll hand it over to Iggy for his bets for this week. But has anybody got anything else they want to throw in before we call this one a day? No, I am exhausted. You're exhausted. What do you? What do you guys think about the books and that fan that got all that free sign shit giving the ball back? Do you think he could have kept it? Do you think he could have got more? He could have definitely got more if he kept it. But do you know what? What a complete arsehole you'd have to be. I know some, <laughs> I know some people would definitely do that. But yeah, he might have got half a million if he kept it, people are saying. But the thing is, by doing the right thing, he's ended up making quite a bit out of it. Like. He's even been given a bit one Bitcoin now, uh, Bitcoin from from Brady, which is apparently worth over sixty thousand dollars. Which that alone, I think, I'm happy with that. But he's got two signed jerseys. He's got from Brady. He's got a signed jersey from Evans. He's got the cleats from Evans. He's got another game ball. He's got like a grand gift card. I don't who the fuck. What do you shop. spend that on? Yeah. I mean, and tickets for next this season and next as well, hasn't he? Yeah, it's got season tickets for the next two years. I mean, they've certainly gone all out for him. Um, but yeah, I, I saw people dispute, especially Bucks fans, going, oh, I wouldn't have gave it back. Oh, he's, well, he would have been like trying to get a quarter of a million out of him. Like, what? Like, why would you do that? Like, I, I like Tom Brady. He's my quarterback now. I don't want to hold back the 600 touchdown ball that means a lot to him because I'm an arsehole. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If Mike Evans gave me that $60,000 back, that Bitcoin, it's his fault for giving the ball away. But do you know what made me laugh? Though? I was thinking, I bet Brady's fuming. But then he threw him two more touchdown passes. I was like, well, clearly not. Unless he just wanted him to go and give the ball back to the other guy and swap it. 
Yeah, it's it's worked out. He'll, he'll make some memories with it, with what he got out of it. So I'm sure it'll be he got a good deal. Uh, Ryan, you're very kindly going to join us for our predictions pod later on. But before we end this one, tell everybody where they can find you, what uh, what you do with the with the Lions podcast as well. Yep. So I'm from Bora Lions UK. There is a like you say, nearly double digits of us guys all around the UK. Like say down south of Bristol. I'd say I'm up north. We've got Steve, who's up in Scotland. It's NFL Scotland. We do podcasts on a Monday night. We do a review. We have the College Wednesday podcast event. We do a Thursday preview. Watch-alongs on a Sunday. You can find us, I'd say, on Twitter, Instagram. There's also, like, an EU international Facebook group, Detroit Lions, One Pride Worldwide UK. We've got hundreds of members. You can find us all over. I'd say there's now this new Lions Unite Nation app. Permamore started, I'd say, any Lions fans watching, like say, create an account on there, interact on social media, like say, we're, we're really growing now. Podcast, say YouTube, Twitch, like just branching out all over. So, yeah, come find us multiple days a week. Yeah, I don't know. Do you work? Do you have time to work <laughs> on top of all of that? No, yeah, like say, I, I work for Wattboard. <laughs> Still from home, so for the last two years, like it's nicely podding, working, not working. <laughs> Yeah. If anyone, if anyone from your employers listening, they're going to be like, "Ah, oh, this explains a lot." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. His production dropped the last two years. <laughs> no, it's it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, Ryan. It's been really great uh, content, and absolutely give them a follow uh, if you're not already. Uh, it's good stuff out there, and those guys are putting out great content. The growth of of that podcast has been quite something in the in the page as well. Yeah, as yeah, like you say, I joined. Well, pretty much last, it started last year, started slow. Now, like I say, we've got multiple channels running. We've had uh, Jason Cabinda, like I say, D'Angelo Amos, like I say, we've also had uh, we've had players on this year. We've interviewed them, all the big beat writers, all from Detroit, like I say. We've had loads of calls, like I say, officials. Like It's just really grown, like heated up in the last, probably for the last six months. Right? And it's just things, it's always coming, never stops. Good man. Keep working. Keep grinding. Right, fellas, we'll call this one a day and we'll be back very soon with our predictions pod. So take care of yourselves and we'll speak soon. Speak soon. Peace out. Cheers, Thanks, Hello, everybody. Welcome to week eight of Betting with Iggy on the Outside the Huddle Gang. Bringing back the mouse, man. We are looking at a little bit safer bet to try to get back after last week. I, I hate losing. So we're going to get back to something I feel really good about. Cincinnati Bengals to win on the money line. There's our MO. We're going with the under 61.5 points at New England at Los Angeles. And then Minnesota, and Andy's beloved Minnesota, to cover a plus 10.5 point spread. That's right, Andy. I've got them at least not losing by 10. You're welcome. Once again, that's Cincinnati on the money line. New England in a, at Atlanta to be under 61.5 points. And the Minnesota Vikings to cover a 10.5 point spread against the Cowboys. That comes in at negative 111, or that should be about 10 to 9 if you're playing on the fraction odds. Uh, for an upset pick, I didn't have any props up, uh, but I am looking at maybe potential upsets. I like the Indianapolis Colts. I like the Pittsburgh Steelers, and 
the New Orleans Saints. There you go. Yeah, so I couldn't I couldn't throw a jab at Minnesota without throwing a jab at Tampa Bay. New Orleans might be a closer game than people anticipate. All right, you guys take care and have a great day.